Relationships rule. That's my motto. I'm Janice Porter, and I love to share the power of relationship marketing to help grow and impact business. I've grown my business by building and nurturing relationships, and I'd like to help you do the same. Welcome to the Relationships Rule podcast, where connection means everything. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Relationships Rule. I have an amazing guest with me today, someone, again, I think I met on LinkedIn. I'm not even sure if it was um, at a networking event online or not, but we did meet through LinkedIn. We had a Zoom call. We hit it off right away, and I'm so excited to have her on my show. So first of all, welcome to the show, Erin Marcus. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. As much as I... LinkedIn makes me crazy. At the same time, I've met the most amazing people. There you go. Exactly. Right. And I know that we are aligned in that we both um, we both think that relationships are key. And I just um, I think I'd like my audience to know first from you. I was going to read a little bit about your company, Conquer Your Business and all of that good stuff. But tell me how you got here, Lisa. Um, I am. Because My origin story, <laughs> in a way, because I I got a sense from reading your bio that um, that you were one of those problem children in school that you didn't yeah. like. You were probably ADHD or something like that, where you were so busy wanting to do things that you wanted to be active that you couldn't sit still in a desk. I kind of got that sense. I don't know how that. <laughs> I don't even know that it's ADHD. I was bored and had other things to do. Yeah. Um, I was a total problem child, but at the same time, basically, if you look at my high school, I didn't go, (laughs) but I aced all the tests, which back in the seventies and eighties, before they tracked everything you did online, meant you graduated Chicago public schools because I aced all the tests because the books were interesting. I'd read the books. Yeah. I remember what I did listen, but by high school, I had other things to do. Um, not good things, but <laughs> that came later. So by, by senior year of high school, I was honestly working um, 60 hours a week. Oh, my senior high that? school. Yeah. I was just working at a pharmacy. I was a pharmacy. T- okay. Making money, just making, making money. money and surviving. And the hysterical part is I was a pharmacy technician, which meant I was, you know, distributing drugs both legally and illegally. Right? It is what it is. But it's not the scary version that you see now, right? It was a, a little bit more innocent version of it. But what I've always done is been very, very self-reliant. So I wasn't one of those kids who always knew what I wanted to do and then set out to do it. But I did always know that if I wanted to have something, I had to do it myself. I think that's a big 80, you know, that's a big Gen X thing anyway, right? If I wanted to do something, I had to do it myself. And in high school, I wanted to live on my own terms. I didn't want to go to school. So I earned a living so I could live on my own terms, right? College became more interesting. I literally went to college to get out of the house. And by the way, before we get all dramatic, my mother and I have a great relationship, right? <laughs> but at the time, part of my part me, part her, I really did go to college to get out of the house because I didn't know what else to do next. You grew up in Chicago, right? I grew up in Chicago. Yeah. And college got more interesting. Mm-hmm. Right? College got more interesting. So I got good grades there because now it was more engaging and the topics were more challenging. And, and that was what it was. 
And the rest of my life really has been do a good job so that the next opportunity opened up for me. It wasn't setting my, again, it wasn't me setting out to do this one thing that I was interested in. I'm interested in so many different things, but that independence, us Gen X, you know, that we grew up with, the knowing that if I wanted something, I had to provide it for myself, the undying drive to learn. I just cannot, cannot stop you I know, know my it. curiosity. I'm the weird person that reads all the signs at the museum. Oh, I do that too. Yeah. Do rules in a game too? No, because I don't follow any rules. Oh. <laughs> I don't care what they oh, are. It's the burgling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, that's another thing. I never, you know, if you mix this drive to learn with truly a Midwestern good work ethic, because like I said, I work 60 hours a week as a 17-year-old, right? Um, with not thinking the rules applied to me. I, I just really didn't. I don't mean that in a chip on my shoulder way. Mm -hmm. I just, they didn't apply. They never have. But they you never have. For quite a long time, weren't you? I did. But when looking back now, looking back, I realize my success and delivering allowed me a breath of freedom, even in corporate, that's probably not normal. That's mm. probably not average. Um, in the last job that I had before I went out on my own, I was there for 12 years. And I, oh my God, like I realize now I was really, really allowed to be an intrapreneur. Mm. I did. I mean, I created an entire department. We, I helped change the entire business model. I was brought into rooms that were so above my pay grade. And it really goes back to this work ethic, do a good job, take complete personal responsibility because you. I have zero entitlement. There's nothing that's going to be handed to me. And that opened the next opportunity. And I also think the intrinsic thing about, I actually like people. I love learning about people and figuring out why they do what they do so that I can do a better job at what I'm doing. And, and you know, again, looking back, the skill I needed to grow up self-reliant in the Chicago public schools with people from 22 different countries, which means nobody knows how to communicate with each other, are the exact same skills that allowed me to be so flexible in my corporate life. And it just all, you know, this crazy background that at the time didn't seem like it made sense at all, right? Mm -hmm. It just comes together to go, okay, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. So when you were, you went from corporate, I think was, do you consider your franchise piece part of corporate or was that the no oh god no um i call it jumping halfway off the cliff okay right so right so i had my job and we we fool ourselves into thinking that our paycheck is secure because we have a job that's you know we know better now truthfully but so i had a job at a great job by the way with great amazing people but i got to my late 30s early 40s and i'm like there's got to be something else right you hit you start thinking about things differently and so the first leap I took was purchasing a franchise and it wasn't a physical franchise. Like it was, a, um, it wasn't like a subway or something where there's a, a location to it. It was a service. 
And again, I, it was kind of a baby franchise. It had only been there for a couple of years. So I had this mixture of a framework of what it was that we did. So I didn't have to invent what we did, but I had so much room to create how we did it, how we marketed. It was not a step one, two, three. So it was a really good mixture for me. I can see that that it would be because you you wouldn't I, I can't imagine you having to be <laughs> in that box type of like a franchise where everything has to be done the same. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't play I can't do things um like more than three times. <laughs> and it's a problem. I mean, it's a problem with men. No, <laughs> it's a problem. Like Oh, that's funny. So your franchise, I think you ended up becoming a trainer for other franchisees, right? Yeah, because again, the drive to succeed, God only knows where that comes from. Really, I say I don't know where it comes from. It comes from that self-determinating, you know, I want to have that self-determining strength or opportunity, flexibility, work ethic, lack of attention span, ridiculous bandwidth for activity. No, it's, I totally identify because I mean, I, I I was I was a school teacher in my first life, and that in the public school system is very bureaucratic. And yeah, I can't to do the point, that. Even that when you go in the lunchroom every day with the same people, the same teachers, the same support staff. God forbid if you sat in the wrong seat in the lunchroom. Like I couldn't do that. For no. I, I decided to get out. So um, I absolutely agree. I can't handle the rules of who tell, you know, who I need to be, don't need to be with. I can't handle. I wasn't even like that in high school. I think one of the benefits of going to a high school with people, literally immigrants, nobody spoke English from 22 different countries is no one had any money. Yeah. Everyone was just trying to survive. And so I never had that click experience that you see in the movies. I've had that. It's not fun. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So from franchise, the franchise world, then you made the leap out to yeah. business, the name of your company now. Is yes, that- that's yeah. totally right. Because what happened was, so the franchise was the subject matter of the franchise. The work that we did was working with families with aging parents. Okay. Oh, which so was very ahead of your time. <laughs> well, um, there was a lot of people I know that got into that world too soon. Yeah, well, I want to say I was on the cusp of it because when I started the franchise, it was amazing. And I did get that business to the top 10 out of 200 franchises in about 18 months. Hence, like what you said, the franchisor would hire me to help, you know, grow new franchises and train them. What happened is six years later, within about six years later, when I left and I closed my office, you had a situation, a twofold situation where there's no barrier to entry in that industry. Mm-hmm. There's zero barrier to entry in that industry. And at the same time, the estate liquidation side of that business that was originally helping pay for the services, mm-hmm. right? The estate sales and the resale side of that business had gone completely bust. Nobody was buying used things anymore. You had an oversupply of stuff and an absolute lack of demand for that stuff. And when you put those things together with the fact that I was in the city of Chicago, where they were raising the minimum wage, the taxes were going up, workers' comp was going up, and 90% of my competition was working under the table while I was running a legitimate business. When you put all that together and at the same time, 
I'm talking at my chain, you know, when it's my turn as the entrepreneur is at the chamber to take my turn and talk about my business, the people are going, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know you have that business, but why are you making money? How are you doing that? Uh, why is your business growing? The thing that people wanted from me wasn't what my business did. It was what I knew how to do because of my corporate experience, my MBA that I had eventually gotten, right? And so after a while, you decide, okay, do I want to stay over here where lo the logistics of the business are a nightmare? The profit margins are horrendous. The trauma that my clients are going through is creating caregiver burnout for me. There's right. It, there's just so much trauma and problems or let's see, I know how to grow businesses. I have an MBA in marketing. I have a corporate C-suite background. I know business strategy. That's where I'm actually helping people. I don't know. Which way do you want to go? Yeah. And kind of like, um, you know, before we hit record, we were talking about how the beauty of entrepreneur is that it's been a good five years since I've even interacted with someone I don't like. The other piece of that puzzle is this business and the way that I've created this business has allowed me to make my job, interestingly enough, more and more narrow so that the only thing I do are my favorite things that I'm great at. Mm -hmm. Smart. Right. My favorite things that I'm great at in delivery to the clients and in service of growing the business hire people who only work in their genius zone at the things they're amazing at that they love doing complimentary yes. to each other. Right. That's smart. And um, so I read somewhere in one of the things I got about you that you had a year though in 2018, that was, you called your failure year. And then in less than two years, you went from calling yourself the number one pinball and barely making any money to multiple six business, six figures in your business and having fun. So you, you're not stressed out because you've got a good team around you. You're doing what you love to do. How, what happened? Uh, what, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> Explain that. <laughs> Explain that. It's great marketing. So, so I, I know Explain this. What the heck? Yeah. Um, what really happened is I underestimated how, even though I know business and I know marketing and I know strategy, I really underestimated how not having even the external framework of a franchise brand was going to affect Aaron the human and how I could close a $3 million deal as my parting gift to corporate, how I can be how I can be running a half a million dollar franchise when the next person below me is at like 35 K. Mm -hmm. And yet when it was the flag in the ground with my name on it and my picture on it, it really fell apart for a year because I couldn't figure out what I wanted it to be. I wanted, you know, that's where that loving 80 different things kind of hurt me for a while. Mm -hmm. And a very kind person who um, has, renamed Aaron's year of failure to Aaron's year of reflection. Thank you for that. Um, but it took me about a year, a little over a year to get my feet underneath me because I leap before I look. That's just my personality. And I leap before I look. And so that year 
that it took me to figure out what is it that I'm great at doing? What is it that I love doing? Who is it that I want to do it for? And putting the ducks in a row enough. But again, once you figure that out, if you stick with it, that's how you can launch and leverage very quickly. So what if you love more than one thing? Not everything you do has to make you money. Okay. This is a really big problem I am watching happen today. I have this conversation all the time. Not everything you love doing has to make you money. I volunteer with wildlife rescue. I sit in the dirt in my yard and garden. I don't need a side hustle for either of those things. No, but if if business-wise, you know, you have two or three um, lanes that you that you go in that they all kind of go together. If they go together, that's fine. Okay. If they go together, that's fine. If they go together, then what, and this, that honestly is what a lot of my clients have. They have like two or three things that in their mind are completely separate, but truthfully, if we can find what I call the umbrella, that's what I call the umbrella. Yeah. If we can find the umbrella, then there's absolutely no problem having more than one aspect. Like when I talk about multiple streams of income, Build multiple streams of income in a way that doesn't confuse the marketplace. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Right? I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. In my business, we I started out coaching and, you know, coaching and we added coaching and consulting, which is a little bit different. But then I saw a really big gap in the marketplace of implementing on what I was teaching people. It was a really big gap in the marketplace because we would have these great conversations, but when they would go to do the things... They didn't have my team. They didn't have my background. They didn't, you know, they were already out of hours in the day and days in the week. So this year we added that and there's four or five different things now where we will do it with you and for you instead of just teaching you how to do it. That's an umbrella. It goes together. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't know whether I saw this in yours or not. How do you feel about, um, yeah, I did see it here because you say something about, you know, there's no such thing as a single funnel that will earn your oh, sales goals with just one email. Just do this right. one thing. Just do just this. Do this thing. Just right. do so that kind of fits with what we were just talking about. Yeah, I mean, and so I call those Insta tactics. And it's not, do not get me wrong. It is not that the tactic is wrong. Correct. Okay. In and of itself, most of these tactics have value. Mm -hmm. But if you run your business and are growing your business, starting at step one, you become susceptible to believing one of these Insta tactics will solve all your problems. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly what I do with my clients. We have to start at step four. And step four for me, like if we create my funnel, my version of a, of a funnel, step four is a business that's on solid footing. We have good offers. We know what we're doing and we know who we're doing it for. And we know how to talk about it. That's step four. That's the foundation that you have to start with that first. Mm-hmm. And then based on that information, based on what you know you want to grow. And by the way, Knowing what you want to grow is not a dollar amount. That's only one piece of it because mm-hmm. there's a million different ways to make a million dollars. So we have to know what is it that you're trying to grow. And then 
Then we go back to step one and we look at what are the marketing strategies that we need to have to grow the audience? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But most people don't do the work before they go out to work. They don't set their foundation. They just go, well, I want a million dollar business. That's as far as they get. And then they go looking for tactics that'll get them there. And again, it's not that that tactic is necessarily wrong, but it might not be right for your strengths. Mm -hmm. It might not be right for your business. And that's the other piece of it. We buy into these Insta tactics. And then when they don't work for us, because they have us believing we need to do something we absolutely hate doing, we feel like a bigger failure because their marketing will have us thinking it's working for everybody but us. Yeah. And and that's that's the... Um... The kind of um, pull me, push you thing around things. I know the marketing is so good that they hook you in with something that isn't you. Right. And it's not their fault, by the way. No, I know. I know. Right. Their marketing is good because they did their work. That's right. That's right. But it's not necessarily going to work for you. So not necessarily going to work for you. So I do understand that, that you think as I do that, um, networking, building relationships, networking, uh, let me say networking done properly yes, and building relationships is something that, that is key to growing your business more than one sort of funnel, so to speak. Right. right. Can you speak well, to that from your perspective? I've started to phrase this a little differently because just to hit this home even harder, mm-hmm. don't confuse networking with building your network. I think people, right? Like people, I'm go tomorrow. In fact, I'm going to a networking luncheon in downtown Chicago. I'm really looking forward to it. They always have a great speaker. They always have great people. They always have great food. But networking is different than building my network. So one of the things I ask people is, who's in your phone? Yeah. Who's your actual network? Who do you have that will answer your DM? Who do you know that when you need a trusted resource or your next client that you can reach out to? I used to say call, but let's face it. I only answer the phone if it's my mother at this point. Nobody else calls me. (laughs) Everyone else just texts or DMs, right? But who is in your network versus networking? Now, they're both very important. So I now, from being more involved with seven-figure businesses, networking is brand awareness building your network is relationship based mm-hmm. and you got to do both yeah you do yeah that makes total sense i love it um so you have a saying in your business your tagline be in charge take action get results that speaks to you so well i love it it's <laughs> And you have a podcast as well. Tell me, tell yeah. my audience the name of your podcast. The podcast is called Ready Yet. Right. And the, right. The tagline is you'll never do what it takes until you become the person it takes to do it. Reflecting back on my year that I had to figure out who I needed to be in order to do the things that I wanted to do. What do you, what do you love about podcasting? Oh my God. The relationship, right? Yeah. Here's a truthfully, except for this monthly luncheon, that gives me a reason I have to like get fully dressed, not just upper half dressed and get out of my house. The only way I'm currently networking is by podcasting. 
Because mm-hmm. think of it this way, by the time we have a connect call and you are on my podcast and I am on your podcast, we have now spent a really good two and a half hours together easily. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a great, like, we know if we're each other's people. I know, right? We know so much about each other. Personality, not just peripherals. Yeah. yeah. And I love the truthfulness and the real story. And I also really, the thing I like about podcasting is the more truthfulness of it, at least who I choose as my guest, because marketing is what you do to grow awareness of your business and inspire your audience to become your clients. But we all know marketing is not the reality of everything you're experiencing as a business owner. And there is such a needed safe space for sharing the truth of the entrepreneurial journey. Like you heard me say, I went from multiple six figures in corporate to top 10 out of 200 in my franchise to $11,000, which if you've ever had a business, $11,000 gross is not a positive number net by the end of the year, right? And so to be able to share the reality of it with people, because the Gary V's out there, the Tony Robbins, right? They have their purpose and I want you to be motivated by them. Mm-hmm. But they're so far removed from where most of us are, it becomes hard to actually learn from them. Well, it's funny. Something you just said, though, reminds me of kind of the difference between Instagram and some a little bit Facebook right. and, and LinkedIn, because nothing on Instagram to me is real. No. You know, and so you can, if you choose to get to the realness of you, you know, um, and I have to say, uh, my generation, I'm a little bit older than you. My generation is not as good at doing that as your generation. And then even I'm not, yeah. You know, it's it's harder to to right. you know, but I'm I'm starting to give little bits of things that, that I talk about that I, I'm okay with. But the thing about it is that um I, I know I digressed from what we were talking about, but um oh that that um when you when you start to build relationships by having these conversations, whether with the red dot on or not with the red dot on, yes. it's, it's um, just so much more real. I had a podcast. I want to share a little bit of um, a conversation I had yesterday with, uh, I was on this girl's podcast and um, she and I had done a little um, training exchange. And so we gotten to know each other that way as well. And I knew the first time I talked to her, she's a entrepreneur, true entrepreneur. She's got a couple of businesses. She's, she's a CPA as well, uh, as well. And bright young woman. I really was impressed with her. And I kept thinking about this other woman that I knew here that I really thought she should meet. So I'd said to her after the first conversation that I would love to introduce her to someone, but I needed to check first whether this person had the bandwidth was available to speak to her because that was the person in my phone. And I don't want to just, you know, together without asking. So anyway, that took a little bit of time, but it worked. and, And I did the introduction. And yesterday she said to me, oh my goodness. She said, I can't thank you enough for the introduction to this woman. She said, she's going to be a lifelong friend. Like yeah. this woman was a true entrepreneur who has done very well. She was on um, Dragon's Den, which is the Canadian version of Shark Tank. 
Oh, cool. And got a huge deal with her business. She's super successful. And anyway, it was just such a great well, feeling to make that happen. It's a great feeling, but you just said, you just gave an example of the number one thing required to build your network. Give before you get. If you want more referrals, give more referrals. If you want more partners, give, give. Yeah, I didn't know why I wanted them to meet, but right. I knew they needed to meet. And well, and it's also not linear, right? You didn't do that so that she gave you a referral back. No. I will tell you that for about 75% of the people who I'm on their podcast or they're on mine, some people it's not the right fit, but for at least 75%, I get them at least two more podcasts that they can record. Mm-hmm. That's how I network. Just I, yeah. Well, and I just realized that that's something that I actually don't do enough of, which I will today. I will ask you afterwards, you know, and who do you need to meet? To do well, that, you know, but it, that's the networking that makes sense. You're right. Absolutely. And one of the reasons, one of the places it falls apart, it's amazing to me how many people, when I say, what do you need? Who do you need? What do you want? How can I help you? Have nothing. They have nothing as they, they don't know. They're unprepared for that. Mm-hmm. People want to help each other. We need us. You need to have a prepared specific ask. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I your provide, I, in first impression um, connections, you know, I know what to ask for and everything, but sometimes it's about really putting this thing um, into a system, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, before we wrap up, I do want to ask you a um, couple of questions off the grid, so to speak. Yeah. Um, are you a, a reader, a listener, or a video watcher? Where do I'm you a reader, a reader, real life books, like touch and feel books? Um, I, I love touch and feel books. I was the happiest person in the universe when the Kindle came out because I used to travel for my corporate job. And my biggest fear was being caught on an airplane with nothing to read. I can read. We went on, uh, especially if it's like just fiction for, you know, giggles and, you know, entertainment. I we went on vacation for seven days and I think I read eight books. Oh my goodness. Did you talk? <laughs> I can just tear through. I can tear through things. I can sit like as active and crazy as I can sit and tear through books. Well, and, and were they all thick nonfiction? Those were just fiction for fun. My current pattern is um, nonfiction business growth wow. books in the morning and wow. fiction at night to chill out. So you don't watch TV. Not, I haven't watched TV in a while. Okay. Okay. I used to. I'm not, I am a big fan of TV. I haven't, but what I learned is I don't actually watch TV. I look at it. I watch the same stupid stuff over and over and over. It's NCIS Los Angeles, NCIS, NCIS New Orleans, and Big Bang Theory. Yeah. And they all, yeah. That's it. That's like all I watch. And it's not, it's because it's mindless. It's mindless. So I'm coming down while it's on. Oh, fair enough. Thanks for sharing that. And, um, and I know that you uh, mentioned earlier, and this is my favorite piece that I like to ask everybody. I know you mentioned curiosity because you said you're a lifelong learner and you you thrive on that. So would you say that curiosity, in your opinion, is innate or learned 
And then what is the most thing, what's the thing you're most curious about today? Gosh, I think it's nature and nurture. I think some people are more curious than others. I think a lack of curiosity stems from being taught fear and scarcity, Mm -hmm. right? It takes a certain amount of courage to be curious because people fear things that are different from them and curiosity would just solve that problem, right? Um, So I think some of us are more naturally curious than others. And I think what leads to a lack of curiosity is fear and scarcity. What am I most right now? I'm curious about plants and gardening. Okay. Um, yeah. I am in the process of trying to, um, I don't know, get this whole patch of my garden to be better. I can't even, I don't even know the words, right. To cultivate and, and, and um, the soil. Flowers, flowers or, or uh, vegetables. The flowers. Um, there's so much wildlife here. It would be, uh, exercise and frustration to grow anything to eat and be gone before we got it. Um, but I have a pollinator garden that I'm growing in the one sunny spot. I live in a wooded area. So we have one sunny spot and I'm trying to do a pollinator garden and fix the soil. So oh. I'm currently um, very curious. Like that's what I'm watching. That's interesting. Cause my sister who lives in LA, um, she spent a lot more time out in her garden through COVID and she did this whole, um, project with um creating mosaic tile tiles for it's amazing but she also has in LA they have to have like um, cacti and things like that right but she has um she started learning about I think it's like the pollinator thing where the but the caterpillars come and they're always there and then the butterflies come And then they feed off the The difference here is they freeze during the winter yeah (laughs) in Chicago right Um, I mean, I think for me, it's very much in aligned with the wildlife rescue that I did. And we're on an acre and a half here of a wooded lot. I've got every animal under the sun here. Um, So it just and again, an acre and a half. I'm trying to create something that doesn't isn't going to add work. Right. (laughs) We have enough work to do. Great project. I'm I'm fascinating, actually. Well, Erin, it's been a delight. Thank you so much. before you go, two things. One, let my audience know, and I will put it in the show notes, how they yeah. can find you. And secondly, what's what's the one maybe business tip or or favorite thing you'd like to share with my audience? Sure. So make it real easy to find me. It's all at conqueryourbusiness.com. If you just go to conqueryourbusiness.com, um, the podcast is there, reaching me is there, the social is there, the everything you need, conqueryourbusiness.com. And the one thing that has really been inspiring me, um, how can I put this? Like, be a little more brave. If I have to look back at why I didn't achieve things I wanted to achieve, it's never because I wasn't smart enough. It's never because I didn't work hard enough. And that is the same for 99% of the people that I meet. Just be more bold. Go do something that scares you. Yeah, that's great advice. Thanks, Erin. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you to my audience again for being a great loyal listeners. Please let us know that you enjoyed the podcast episode by leaving a review. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thanks for joining us. If today's show inspired you to make a new connection, why not start with me? Head over to LinkedIn and connect with me. Be sure to let me know you are a podcast listener 
because I select one listener each month who connects with me on LinkedIn for a complimentary profile audit. And you know, I love to meet new people. So I hope you take me up on it. Don't forget to stay connected and be remembered.